Hello and welcome to yet another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. Now my guest for this episode is Amar, who was born in Egypt, but went to school mainly in Saudi Arabia, while still maintaining regular family visits to his home country. He's lived also for extended periods in Malaysia and other parts of Australia, but believes he's finally found his true home in Tasmania. And that's an interesting story in itself. And we had a wide-ranging conversation about religion, culture, food, family, and being a global citizen while still remaining connected with your cultural roots. And I'm sorry, but we didn't once mention the pyramids. I hope you'll find this conversation as fascinating and as enjoyable as I did. I was born in Egypt, in uh, Alexandria, which is in the north coast of Egypt. It's a beautiful place, a lot of history there. I didn't really grow up in Egypt, though. I left uh, when I was about four years old. My family um, moved around, and we um, ended up in Saudi Arabia. My um, my dad's a doctor, and at that time, basically moving out out of Egypt into sort of more financially lucrative parts of the world was was about was was very common and we ended up in Saudi Arabia and we lived in uh, in Jeddah I spent pretty much my entire childhood and and into my um, teenage years living in Saudi Arabia and uh, look living in Saudi was very interesting it was we had different lives you know as as expats and as um you know sort of international uh citizens of saudi arabia um we kind of all lived in different communities i went to different schools and uh that's sort of where you can pick up a little bit of an american accent um i went to the american school in in Jeddah, and um yeah a lot of sort of international school kids sort of tend to do that as, as expats in, in the Middle East. So that was sort of the, the majority of my childhood. I um, graduated high school at, a, at around 17 and decided to leave home. And do you have um, any memories from Egypt when you were young? There's a few very sort of key and core memories that, that are, are very, very fond memories of my childhood. A lot of them are spent with my grandparents and, and my aunts, um, particularly on my mother's side. I spent a very, very long time living with them, actually. Um, okay. When I think I was probably four or five years old, um, my mom went back to university and there was a lot of time where, you know, my dad was at work and my mom was at was in school. So I spent a lot of my time with my grandparents and, and my aunts. And yeah, a lot of my sort of very fond core memories of Egypt is just the humility and, and the culture of, I guess, hospitality and, and generosity and beautiful things like going to the zoo with my grandma and going to the movies and mm. so on and so forth. So yeah, and, and when we moved to Saudi, I, we started visiting Egypt sort of more during the summer holidays. And, okay. and then that's a whole sort of different part of my childhood where I remember a lot of the times we would all go to the north coast of, of Alexandria, which is sort of the sort of big beachy, resorty type place. Mm -hmm. And we spend a lot of time there with, with the extended family. And there, there's nothing more beautiful than summertime in Egypt, I think. So did you feel like there was a big difference from being when you were living in Saudi Arabia and then coming to Egypt? Was there a different feeling? Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it was like two different worlds, to be honest with you. Um, 
Saudi Arabia is very uh, religious. It's it's quite conservative and you know it's quite restrictive mm-hmm. in 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 its culture. Particularly when I lived there, it's it's certainly changed a lot now, and it's a, a lot more yeah, just I guess a lot more free if if that's the right word. Egypt was it just felt like this absolute cultural melting pot of mm-hmm. of things and people and food and music and yeah it's just a very very unique place um uh, particularly in comparison to to the rest of the middle east uh i think north africa and the middle and 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 the gulf region are while very close and and most people would assume are exactly the same Mm. uh are vastly different actually the um the north uh north african culture is this beautiful amalgamation of of the African culture, the Middle Eastern culture, the Islamic culture, and the European culture that has sort of come through North Africa, whether it was, um, you know, the the English and the French and the Italians and, and the Greeks, and even before that, you know, the Ottoman Empire and, and the Persian Empire, and all of that just brought so much culture to that very, very old part of the world. And um, mm. yeah, so that definitely, you can feel that in everything you do there and in, in, you know, the, the places you go, the people you talk to, the food you eat, the activities that you do. And that is, it's very different to, to the culture in, in the Gulf region, which is, mm. yeah, fairly focused on sort of the, the Islamic heritage. School was very interesting because, uh, again, like I said, we growing up as an expat in Saudi Arabia, you you spent a lot of time, or most of the time you spent, obviously, whether it's at home in different sort of gated residential communities and international schools. And usually international schools were a mix of all different kinds of nationalities. A lot of Middle Eastern nationalities as well. So, you you know, a lot of my friends were, you know, Lebanese, Syrian, Jordanian, Palestinian, um, Iraqi. And, you know, you, we also had a lot of people from the Gulf as well. You know, people from Bahrain and Oman and, and uh, Yemen and so on and so forth. So uh, the, the international schools really just felt like a melting pot of cultures and and it was a beautiful thing to to be a part of and i guess the unifying factor there was we were all technically sort of foreigners so we all felt like we were on we're in the same boat the school was it like an american school or was it sort of a adjusted to accommodate arabic culture i mm. suppose uh really good question I, I i went to multiple schools in Jeddah, and there was a few of them that mm. were very much I guess adjusted to suit you know the the Middle Eastern culture and the Arabic culture, but from for my I guess last six years of schooling, middle school and high school, uh, I went to the American International School, which was uh, run or sort of managed by the American Embassy of um, of Saudi Arabia, and that was a, a very different experience. That was basically an American high school or American school lifted and put in Saudi Arabia. It was Mm. a surreal experience to, you know, be a part of a school that you would see, you know, only in the movies and, and, you know, on TV. But ultimately, yeah, we we had the same exact experience that American kids had in in high school. Well, to to a certain extent, of course, Mm. but, uh, you know, we had 
you know, hallways full of lockers and we had our varsity teams and we had our, you know, our extracurricular activities, your woodshop and your drama and your band and so on and so forth. So I actually did a lot of that growing up. I, I did workshop, I, sorry, I did woodshop, I did drama. I was in band class for a few years. So yeah, it was, it was just a, an incredible experience in Saudi Arabia. So it felt like we never really lived the Saudi culture. We mm. all lived a very different almost sheltered culture growing up yeah i can understand what you mean by surreal then because Mm. you're kind of you're at a school which is american you're arabic but not from that country but you're living in in an environment surrounded by this quite conservative sort of arabic islamic culture but it's not the same as the one you're from yeah exactly which you know what I, i i guess thinking about it now retrospectively it's it's exactly why i am the way i am i've become this person who can adapt to any situation communicate and and build relationships with any kind of people from any part of the world from all walks of life and and that's probably because i had to do that at a, at a very young age and mm. i had to i grew up in an environment where you just had to adapt and you had to figure out who you were in relation to all your external sort of environments. When you were at school, did you have any plan or dream for the how you saw your future? No, not not particularly because I um I'm I've always been a kid that had a lot of different interests and a lot of different passions and Every few months, I'd have something that I was very excited about, and I'd get really into that and, you know, drop it after a little while or whatever. So I was always a kid that didn't really know what they wanted to do. I wanted to do everything. So I never really had a very clear vision for what my future was. But growing up, again, growing up in Saudi, which was very different to who I was as a person uh, in terms of, I guess, a lot of the, the values that were prevalent in that culture at the time didn't really... I guess it went against a lot of my values. So one of the things I definitely knew was I needed to get out of Saudi Arabia. I needed to, you know, leave the Middle East. I need to go somewhere that I could probably be a little bit more myself and and find myself a little bit more. And yeah, I guess as soon as I graduated high school, I went to Southeast Asia and I lived in Malaysia for almost a decade. Uh, And that was a, a beautiful transition to exactly what I needed. It wasn't too far from from home in terms of the culture you know malaysia is still an islamic country but it's very much a a multicultural hub of against everything just arts music um culture food people everything so it was the perfect place for me to really understand who i was and what i wanted to do What do you think um, was the biggest influence on, or how did you get those values? Was it through family? Was it through your education? What What do you think? It was probably a, a combination of things. Certainly my family are were considerably progressive, particularly in comparison to, you know, I guess the culture in Saudi Arabia at the time. And a lot of things around gender equality, um, around, you know, religious freedoms and stuff like that. I, I felt I definitely got that from, from my family to begin with. And then through education, through schooling, through meeting different people from different cultures and, you know, understanding how other people thought of certain things, really, that's when I started to realize that, wait, 
no, I'm surrounded by a culture that isn't necessarily reflecting my personal values. That, that again, it, it was absolutely a, a combination of both nature and nurture. What do you feel you have got from that Western or American side of your education? And what do you think you've got from your Arabic, Egyptian side? That's a really, really good question and, and one that I, I think I'll enjoy answering. <laughs> but I, I think growing up, my sort of Arabic and, and Egyptian culture uh, and, and the Islamic culture as well, I think what is, what the, the, the things that I find most value in are the, I, I guess, the, the sense of hospitality and generosity, accommodation, you know, being extra, you know, loving and extra caring and, and being able to listen and, and empathize as much as possible. I think a lot of that sort of emotional intelligence that I, um, that I feel I have now really does come from that upbringing of thinking of other people, thinking of your community, thinking of your family, thinking of your friends and, and, and really just not being and being community minded rather than individualistic, which uh, I find is to be I find that to be the more prevalent notion or, or ideology in Western cultures, individualism and, mm. and focusing on oneself and, and, and you know, I guess trying to attain inner peace through that. But again, because I kind of grew up in the community focused mindset, I find a lot of value in that. And I find a lot of energy that that I can that I can extract from that part of myself. And from a Western perspective, uh, I, I guess the, my, my Western ideology and, and I guess the way of thinking is, is uh, it's about tolerance, it's about acceptance, it's about being open-minded, curious, adventurous, risk-taking. Mm. All the, I guess, the, the, the more sort of powerful emotions and, 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 and powerful drivers that I have, I feel come from my more westernized sort of ideology or, or way of life. And I think having both of those hand in hand is exactly what I need to, you know, get to where I need to go, because a lot of what I do relies on me being very emotionally intelligent, but also being able to not overthink things too much and get too bogged down in in the I guess the sort of the rationalization of things and 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 actually just think more boldly and and bravely. I guess the story or the common rhetoric is that Western civilizations and Western countries and Western democracies are are rooted in freedom and freedom of expression, freedom of choice, and freedom of yep. religion and freedom of whatever. However, as soon as people try and say, well, "No, but that's just how I want to do things," my I, I want to do things my way for me. Yeah. People go, well, no, that's not how we do it here. So that's that's something you're wrong there. And it goes, well, but that goes against everything that you've been trying to say around freedom and about acceptance and tolerance, you know, being able to accept people for who they are and what they want to do. As long as no one's harming anyone else, yeah. do your own thing. Believe what, whatever you want to believe. Practice whatever you want to practice. And I think that's the only way that there's going to be any sort of assimilation. I don't think assimilation means giving up what you believe or what you do. Yeah. It means adapting to the situation that you're in, adapting to the culture that you're in. If something isn't appropriate in the culture that you're in, it's only respectable to 
you know, understand why. And, and even if you can't understand why, accept that that's just how things, you know, need to be. And as long as you're not breaking any rules and you're not, you know, hurting anybody, do, do whatever you need to do. Look, I, I knew that I just wanted to be in a place where I can be myself. And that's ultimately what drove me to keep looking because I left Saudi and I moved to Malaysia and I was there for a long time and, and I loved it and I had a great time and it was probably some of the best time of my life, but I still didn't really feel home. I just didn't, just didn't couldn't really feel like I could be myself. Um, again, while I absolutely loved Malaysia, it was difficult to assimilate or become part of the culture. It's a very distinct and very proud and very beautiful culture, but um, the only real similarity there was was the religion. Um, outside of that, it's a very different culture, and I, f I felt that it wasn't easy to become part of it. So eventually, you know, after nine years or so that I was living there, I. Um, realized that I still needed to look because I could I, that wasn't it wasn't home just yet once I graduated high school I knew that I needed to get out and and I, I looked at a lot of different places and at the time Malaysia seemed to be the quickest and easiest option okay um, I knew that I ultimately wanted to get to either sort of America or Canada initially to, to sort of really become more in tune with this culture that I grew up with and and the the American schools that I went to and it was it was a bit more difficult it was a bit more expensive it wasn't you know easy finding the right I guess sort of course or degree for me uh, at the time and it just it seemed like it was going to take a long time for that to to come to fruition and I honestly just didn't want to wait any longer and yeah. I was happy to just go to the next best thing and uh, at the time I had a friend who um, studied in Malaysia and he recommended uh, Malaysia as a, as a place to to do my higher education but he also recommended as a place to really sort of explore who you are as a person okay. and meet a lot of different people from all over the world and really that's what what I gravitated towards was the experience rather than, you know, the education itself. I knew the education was going to be good wherever I went, but ultimately it's the experience of, um, yeah, just expanding my horizons. So I went there to do my bachelor's and uh, initially I, um, I I didn't know what I wanted to study at. Initially I, I thought I wanted to get into like software engineering or computer engineering and then I realized that that particular field wasn't really what was attracting me to it. It was more the the tech, I guess, side of things and the creativity. So I started um, looking into what I actually wanted to study and, and ultimately I ended up in um, communications. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I did a, um, a film and television bachelor's with uh, a minor in advertising and that was so much fun and it was a beautiful creative outlet for me. And it certainly... T you know, took me to a lot of different places and met a lot of different people. I mean, look, I've lived in other parts of Australia as well. So when I first moved, um, when I first moved down, I lived in Queensland for um, for a couple of years. That's uh, the reason I moved here was to do my bachelor's. Oh, sorry, to do my master's, and um, I um, did my master's at Bond University in 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 um, Gold Coast in Queensland. And I quickly realized that wasn't really where I needed to be as well. And 
a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's extremely hot and I'm not a big fan of the heat, to be honest with yeah, you. Right. Yeah, right. But you were nine years in Malaysia and yeah. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, I've lived in some of the hottest places in the world, but I don't like it. <laughs> I've yeah, never right. liked it. So, um, yeah, I, I guess subconsciously I've been moving south my entire life. If you trace my journey from North Africa all the way down to Tasmania, I've just been trying to escape the heat. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, it's... Uh, yeah, Queensland was... Again, just not really the place where I felt myself. Well, I didn't I didn't fit in as much as I wanted to. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to move to the big city. So I moved down to Melbourne. And again, just to give you an example of, of the risk-taking, um, I guess, adventures that I've been on. I moved from Queensland to Melbourne with no job, no house, no nothing locked in. Just packed my bags and, and moved down and got an Airbnb where I stayed for you know a few days and then found a tiny little room um, somewhere where I stayed for uh, another sort of few months and then I found you know a better place to live and so on and so forth uh, once I did actually get a job and whatnot so very much about making a decision and following it through with I guess the sort of the guidance of my instinct and my gut feeling so you know I lived in Melbourne for about four years and I again, I felt that I, I actually probably felt like I didn't fit in most in Melbourne, right? Which is I, which is ironic because Melbourne is the place where most people fit in. It's the place where most people find their niche or find mm -hmm. you know their circles or their tribes. And I just I felt so anonymous and faceless and really disconnected from from community mm -hmm. uh, living in Melbourne and. It's actually probably the biggest realization I've had moving to Tasmania is the reason I love it here, the reason I moved here, the reason I gravitated to this place was the small sort of community feel that you get even in the big city. Mm -hmm. um, I walk down the street in Hobart and I'm saying hello to people I know almost every single day. Uh, I know the shopkeepers around, you know, you know your, you know your local grocers, your local butcher, this and that. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful community, even though it's you know, it's a city, Hobart is very much a city, but it still gives you that beautiful community um, vibe to it. And um, yeah, that's that's sort of what I realized leaving Melbourne was, I, I'm someone who absolutely craves community, who craves mm -hmm. being around my people, being around um, people who are like-minded, who are passionate, who are um, honest, who are down to earth and, that's that's the most beautiful thing I found about Tasmania is this place has very few egos, which is mm -hmm. extremely the opposite of what life in Melbourne was like. And did you come down here with a job or did you just decide to come here and give it a go? Interesting story again, because um, it's almost impossible to get a job in Tasmania if you're not in Tasmania. Mm -hmm. It's very, very, very difficult unless, you know, it's a very niche and specialized job that there's very few people in Tassie that can take or, or sort of um, are, are good candidates for it. I knew that I wanted to move down. Uh, I was extremely unhappy at my previous job and uh, I knew that I needed to leave. So I started pursuing something down here. And it was probably a good three, four months of trying to, to get a job down here, um, applying for things online, sending people emails, phone calls, so on and so forth, with 
very, very little um, sort of outcome out of it. So I uh, decided to um, come down here for, I think it was a week. Um, so I got an Airbnb somewhere and I was here for a few days. And what I did was I just ended up going to all these different agencies, all these different businesses, sending out cold emails and, and making cold phone calls. It was a very, very fortuitous opportunity that came to, to bearing where um, I went and, and visited my previous agency now uh, and had a chat to um, to the fine people there. And basically it was an opportunity that had just come up that week or, or the week before where a person that was working there very short notice had decided to, to leave and they needed to fill that role quite urgently. So they weren't even advertising for the job. It was still very, very fresh. So um, I kind of walked in and had an interview, which led to a job and uh, led to two and a half years of me with that agency and an absolutely fantastic time. Yeah, certainly paved the, the, the path for me here. Um, and I'm, again, forever grateful um, to the people that, that sort of helped fuel all of this. And yeah, my, my adventures here in Tassie, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's all very fortuitous, really. Interesting what you say about your job search here, because you make a, a good point that it is hard to find work here, especially mm. if you're going, if you're through a formal process. And I think a lot of people who come here don't realize that, um, and, and you can tell me if this is your experience, that you don't usually get a job. It's very, very hard to get a job here through formal processes because that's not the way that a lot of businesses work here. Mm. It's through informal connections and like what you did, just getting, getting out there. Does that sort of reflect your experience? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think, um, I think it's interesting but it's not just job interviews it's almost everything in tasmania mm, yeah, um yeah. has to be done through relationships you know and i i use the word relationships versus connections because connections seem very transactional yeah. it's you know i'll do this for you you do this, you do this for me but i what i realized in 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 tasmania is you build relationships that are at any point in time mutually beneficial to you and to the other person. Um, and these relationships aren't based on transactions, they're based on some sort of emotional uh, exchange. And and ultimately that is what will lead to, you know, a job or, you know, business outcomes or, you know, someone doing you a favor or someone helping you out for whatever reason. It all comes down to the relationships that you build in Tassie. And, the formal stuff is there as, uh, you know, I guess it's the standard process that you have to go through things. So how does that culture in the Middle East compare to here? Is it, is it something that's familiar? I think, again, it's different in different places um, within the Middle East. I think Egypt is fairly similar to Tasmania in, mm -hmm. in the sense that um, your relationships will get you everywhere. In Saudi, it was certainly not the case. Um, while relationships certainly do, it was more connections. It was more, uh, I guess, massaging egos and, you know, um, schmoozing is probably a good word for it as well. It's basically, it's a power play with with, okay. with things like that. So it, it does come down to that exactly. It's, it's, the, it's the fact that Power is interpreted differently in different places, and and within that Saudi culture, power is is a very big thing, and it's also something that's 
tra that's reflected through everything that, that happens there. Religion is very interesting to me because religion really is a way of uh, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of interpreting the world. It's not necessarily uh, it's not necessarily a culture. It's not necessarily you know something that that should influence every single part of who you are. I think it should influence a lot of the things that you think if you choose to believe in it. Obviously, um, but that's the that's the real sort of massive difference there to me is when religion becomes government and religion becomes culture that is not religion that's a tool for um you know population control and and so on and so forth versus when religion is an individualistic ideology and you believe it if you want to you don't have to believe it if you don't want to and you just make sure that people are living their lives the way that they feel is fit for them um that fear-mongering that sort of tribal mentality really seems to dissolve once you kind of get to that point where you realize that religion is not really a, a a method of ruling people it's a method of living your life you know however way you interpret it it seems to have calmed down a bit the last few years but there was a point where there was a lot of anxiety about muslims and everyone seemed to be an expert suddenly hmm. I, I remember been at a barbecue here once maybe it was probably in, when the iraq war was still happening and this woman said she's just telling me all about all about muslims oh they're this and that and they won't fit in and i said have you actually ever met a muslim she said oh no but i know this is this is sort of the attitude that was around for a while yeah and i realized that so many people they knew nothing they never met a muslim and from my experience teaching these Saudi students, I started off with a kind of a bit of a stereotype, but I, you know, keep an open mind. But then I realized that religion never comes up, never, it's never an issue in the classes. There are cultural things with them, hmm. um, from their upbringing, but the religious aspect it just does, it isn't an issue that people think it is. Yeah, and and look, I um, while I while I absolutely do not condone racism in any way, I do understand it from a psychological perspective. You yeah, know, I do understand that people are generally just scared. They're scared of what they don't know. They're scared of what they don't understand, and that's where a lot of hate and a lot of racism comes from. It comes from. Uh, absolute ignorance and fear um, towards the uncertain, the unfamiliar, the unknown, and that's ultimately what it is. Is that the for for a very long time, people didn't really know who Muslims were, what Islam was, or they kind of had a very um, stereotypical Arabian night sort of you know um, perception of what happened in that part of the world, and you know they you know had images of flying carpets and you know. Um, <laughs> Whatever it was at the time, it was just a mis you know mysterious place that not a lot of people associated with anything <clears throat> negative, really. But then, really, it was after you know nine eleven and 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 the beginning of that sort of war on terror that the 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 perception of Islam became absolutely, uh, well, I guess, sort of misinterpreted around the world, and and a lot of it comes from extremist groups. But extremist groups, you know, exist within every every facet of, of life there's always extremists about everything it's it's not a religious thing it's a individualistic thing as well you know what i mean but i uh, I, I i completely understand what you mean around you know 
people thinking they know what Islam is or people thinking they know who Muslims are. But unfortunately, like you know, every other disenfranchised group around the world, it's a misunderstanding caused by political um, agendas and caused by yeah. you know the the perpetuation of images within the media that teach people incorrect things. Yeah. What do you have you found maybe the most challenging thing in settling in Tasmania? So the most challenging thing I'd say was getting here, getting mm-hmm. here physically, getting here with a job, getting here with you know um, community and building <clears throat> friendships and building relationships and so on and so forth. But once you're here and once you're in it and once you start doing what you need to do. It's incredibly easy. It's incredibly easy to fit in. It's incredibly easy to make um, connections and form relationships. It's incredibly easy to be successful in Tasmania, okay. believe it or not. Um, a lot of people find that it's more difficult being successful here, but I think it's because a lot of people consider success, look at success differently, basically. Mm-hmm. To, to add a little bit to my story as well, so I moved here and you know I got a job with the with, with, with an agency and I was with them for two and a half years and last month I decided to basically resign from my role and um, get into business for myself and pursue my passion and my passion at the moment is um, cooking and mm-hmm. uh, particularly I'm, I'm about to start my business cooking uh, doing American sandwiches Um, so I'll I'll be sort of at different markets and whatnot um, selling my food but ultimately I do want to get to a point where I am cooking Egyptian food because it does not exist in Tasmania there are no Egyptian restaurants or eateries of any kind here in Tassie so it's certainly an opportunity but also um, again that's an example of how you can be successful very Mm. easily here I would have never ever considered leaving a full-time role and taking a massive risk like going into business for myself if I lived in Melbourne as an example right I wouldn't have been able to do it life is too expensive it's too chaotic it's too um, unpredictable I don't understand the market there it's too volatile it's too competitive right. versus here in tassie i feel again it's all about building relationships and building credibility so you can do anything you set your mind to as long as you're doing it honestly and you're mm-hmm. doing it with the sole purpose of just doing a good job one thing that we probably didn't touch on as well is that any culture in the world I, I personally believe revolves around food in one way or another. I think food is the one thing that unifies all people everywhere in the world is we all need to eat. We all love yeah. to eat. So food plays a big part of that um, that sort of cultural anchor that we feel um, in terms of the connectedness to our past. Um, but that's a really good example about the Middle East and bakeries. I remember when it opened up. I remember, I remember the first time um, I walked in there and it felt like the most beautiful thing because I could smell all the different spices and it smelled like home and and obviously I was looking through the you know the the display stand and I was like oh I know everything here this is it's just so good and it, I can't believe that it took so long for mm. for someone to open up a Middle Eastern bakery here but they do great every like there's people there all the time and, yeah yeah and I've introduced so many people you know so many people to the to that place because they're just they just do a good job you know they're 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 humble they're down to earth they're it feels like it's a perfect fit for tasmania so 
Yeah, I think Middle Eastern food has a lot of um, love in it, a lot of heart in it as well. So, you know, when you describe food as being hearty or being comfort food, I always think of Middle Eastern food. It's mm -hmm. just so considered, I think, and um, there's a lot of history in there as well. Yeah, yeah. And also food has, uh, you know, we have strong emotional connections to particular, you know, like a dish that our mother cooked when we were kids. And especially when you're far away from home, and I'm saying this because so many people I've talked to have mentioned things like this. Mm. There are, you know, there's a real uh, emotional power to being able to cook a particular dish here mm. that you've missed mm. because you you know, your mum's over in Turkey or somewhere and you want to, you know, connect you to this place where you used to be. Yeah, well, I mean, interestingly enough, my, my partner was visiting last week. Uh, she lives up in Launceston. So um, she was over and because we just started Ramadan, I decided to sort of cook something a little bit more traditional and something that um, just reminds me of home. And she absolutely loved it. And she you know, she got into it and she was helping me cook and so on and so forth. But ultimately what I realized that whole experience offered was a deeper connection to my partner as well, because she got to hear about, you know, the, the stories that I had that took me back to this time where this dish was present and, and the connection that I had, you know, to, to the family and, and to the food that we cooked together. And now that I'm bringing that into, into this relationship with my partner and it actually bonded us a little bit closer. We, mm -hmm. we felt a little bit more connected just because we sat there cooking this dish together and eating it together and talking about it and, and talking about the history and, and the connection that I have to it. So I think food is, again, something that can really help people understand each other a little bit better. Mm -hmm.